0: Welcome to She's a DPM, a platform for women to share their experiences, knowledge, and insights on cultivating a life in and outside the field of podiatric medicine and surgery. Okay, well then welcome back everybody to She's a DPM. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Oxman, and today's special guest is Dr. Nicole Friel. So welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Honored to be on here.
0: (laughs) I am so excited to have you on today. And before we get started, I'm going to have you talk a little bit about yourself, but I'm going to do a little blurb first that you are the top, have won like the top podiatrist in Lexington for several years, top woman in business award by the Lane Report, podiatrist for Toyota manufacturing and leading collaborator doctor with the Timberland boots for Toyota, which is so cool. Um, an owner and creator, not only of your own private practice, Lexington podiatry, but also of ModPod, the modern podiatrist. So a lot to talk about, a lot to, uh, unpack. And like, I'm so excited to talk with you today about all these aspects.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I I like to stay busy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that because it's uh, body in motion stays in motion, right? That's exactly right. I say that all the time to my patients. Oh, really? <laughs> yes,
1: it's so funny you say that.
0: <laughs> well, besides all that, what tell us a little bit about like yourself, like where you're from, background, anything like that?
1: Sure. I'm actually from a really small area. Um, it's South Portsmouth, Kentucky. Um, there's not not a lot there, honestly. That's mainly farmland, so you have a lot of time to become very introspective and think about, you know, your future and kind of what you want to do. And I was obviously lucky because I got to grow up in my grandfather's practice across the river. And so I kind of knew um, at a young age what I wanted to do. And the Kentucky summers are brutal, you know, and growing up on a farm, it's you'll do anything just to get inside to be in air conditioning, to be quite honest. So that's how I spent a lot of time, you know, with him and just kind of hanging out. And I really thought that this is a gig I could do you know, we got air conditioning going, patients are cool. They're bringing in free tomatoes and all kinds of produce. And it was just a very cool environment to and very relaxed. It was not, um, kind of a stuffy doctor environment. His office was actually an old house. Um, so that, you know, the individual rooms, the exam rooms were old bedrooms, which was kind of unique. Um, so yeah, I, I got into a uh, podiatry at that point and, um, from there, I just kind of snowballed into kind of wanting to do my own thing, you know, went through lots of contract negotiations and things like that, but nothing really seemed to stick with, you know, my vision for any type of podiatry practice. So then, you know, fast forward and I just, you know, hung my own shingle and straight out of residency, it was 2008, October of 2008. For those of you that are, yes, um, Aware of this small thing they call the recession in 2008 and how the world imploded, I decided to open a practice. And I'm so glad ignorance is bliss. My husband, um, his background is MBA and accounting, and he's like, You're crazy, but let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's give it a try because there really weren't any other options for me um, personally. So, yep. And now 15 years later, here we
0: sit today. So, You said something that just resonated with me that like, there wasn't a practice that fit your vision of like what you, how you wanted to practice as a podiatrist. So can you kind of tell me like what your vision was and then how you were able to grow this vision into Lexington podiatry? Sure. I think aesthetically
1: um, and attracting the right kind of patient that I like to treat. Like, I love treating sports medicine. I actually quit doing surgery because I solely focus on, you know, my athletes and those that are really active and that want to be active. That's why I love working with Toyota patients and, you know, USPS and UPS and all of that because they're on their feet and they don't have time to be injured. So they're really listening to you instead of that patient who maybe, uh, is not employed at the time just can kind of hang out at the house and it's like oh well time will heal it no i want someone that's like very dedicated um, in their treatment plan because i know they're going to be compliant to accelerate that so aesthetically kind of attracting that type of patient um was really important and secondly freedom you know i love to travel and so it's kind of hard to articulate to any potential employer hey I will work hard for you when I'm here but when I'm gone you know I want to travel the world so how can I do both and I was really having a hard time uh, finding someone that would give me the flexibility straight out of school because you know how it is they want to work you like dogs every you know second they can squeeze out of you is what they're going to do and I just knew that that wasn't sustainable for me so I didn't want to get into bed with you know a practice knowing I was just going to leave in a few years. So I thought, well, I'd rather just kind of build this organically and from the the start and just answer my own phone and just be my own salesperson to get these people in the door. And I basically did everything, you know, at first, um, did the wound care center at the hospital. I had like 10 nursing homes just from cold calling. Hey, do you need a podiatrist? Oh, you're not happy with the current one. Great. Let me give me a try that type of thing. And then I was also an independent contractor for a podiatry practice uh, an hour away. So the, there was no um competition with that practice. And I was able to to learn quite a bit from them year one. So,
0: you know, I love hearing this because that's like, it's such an inspiration because I know what your practice, when I've gone on your beautiful website, what it looks <laughs> like, it is so aesthetically pleasing, but just me being out for like a few years and starting like same like independent contractor and just seeing how much growth is possible, you're um, definitely uh, leading that. So thank you.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, honestly, it just takes a lot of hard work, and I I personally love to, to work. Um, I love building and creating and doing. That's why you kind of see me doing this and then doing this and I just because the day to day can get boring, and so I feel like we need to kind of switch it up a little bit to kind of keep creatively our brains, uh, you know, going because if I don't have that creative outlet, then I'm dead in the water. I, I can't do it. I have to have something to be working on. And then once that's accomplished, okay, well, let's see what else is out there,
0: <laughs> which is why you've done so much. Yeah. Right. My pod and everything. Okay. Yeah. As a top woman in business that I know you got an award in from like the lane report, what <laughs> are three common mistakes you see new practice owners making? Um, spending too much money. Uh, you, they get
1: into these lease payments and things like that for equipment that perhaps you should learn your demographic first to see if that's even applicable in your area. Do you have a clientele that's going to pay cash for say your MLS laser? You know, I, I purchased mine off of someone, they, they bought it brand new. Um, they bought it and they could not use it. So that would be, you know, my first thing is just really watch your finances. Two, um, if you're doing a build out, watch the usable exam room. So we call that, that space is revenue generating. So you don't want to have a big office. That's a complete waste of money. Um, Actually, I didn't even really, at at the end of my first office, um, I only had three exam rooms. It was about 895 square feet. And I had an office like the size of my laptop. It was so teeny. I mean, I could fit in there and, you know, work. It was a little bit of privacy, but really making sure that you're not spending or like with your design, uh, you're really utilizing every inch you can Mm
0: -hmm. think
1: about storage. You know, I had a, a very small, uh, bathroom, but I built, uh, Uh, shelves to be able to stock those gigantic cam walkers in the bathroom because you know space was a premium at the time so really watching that Um, third for a new practitioner negotiate your supply costs I got oh wow yeah I got it good when I first started you know because I didn't know that you could even negotiate supply costs and not only that you need to negotiate them every quarter And then pit them against each other because, you know, it's McKesson or Moore, whoever it is. Be like, listen, and just keep an Excel spreadsheet. I probably spent a solid 40 hours because everything was from scratch. You know, like, what do I need? A bone rasp? I need pickups. I need, I mean, detailed work. And then I had uh, basically uh, chosen the top seven companies and then went sent this list through over and over and over. And I still didn't get pricing like I get now. Cause I didn't know any better.
0: That's an excellent so,
1: tip. Yeah. So you would definitely save a lot of money. So biggest takeaway is watch your overhead starting out. You keep your overhead as low as possible. And then you can actually be profitable because you know it's you're already in debt up to your ears. So if you add on these other big expenses, it's going to take you forever to climb out of that hole.
0: Yes. Man. And that's something I, I think I learned quickly that it's surprising how little you need to start like, you don't need a lot of, of all these like tools and everything to get going. No, You can no. really start with, I had like a rolling cart that I would take to, which sounds so funny, but.
1: Absolutely. Is I, I would really penny pinch in every sense of the word. Don't let the, let the business build and then buy more crap. Yeah. They're always going to sell it to you. They, they're always, <laughs> and and yeah. I would not talk with someone. I think that's where I got into trouble as I spoke with someone at the company and they like a new practitioner, right? They're onboarding a new practitioner. Well, in reality, they're selling me a bunch of crap that I didn't need. So mm-hmm. t- really think about and break it down to your day to day. What do you, given the, the patient demographic that you want, what are you going to use? What, who are you going to target? What do those supplies look like in
0: order minimal? Excellent advice. Yes, I love yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm learning. I told you this is also <laughs> self-serving podcast for me. All right. You have a beautiful website. You are prominent on social media. You have tons of followers on YouTube and uh, views. So what overall have you found to be your most successful marketing tool?
1: I get asked this question. You have no idea how my, how often. <laughs> um, honestly, it's original content. It has to be you, your personality, not, not me, but the personality of your practice, Uh, you have to showcase that. And it's also like, what is the angle? So we know um, anytime we're posting something that there's intention behind it. Is it, do we want product sales? Do we want new patient acquisition? Do we want just brand awareness? So really kind of thinking about your ROI, you know, what is the effort? And then what is, what are you wanting to get out of it? And then just you know, creating a personality and a brand and embracing that and showcasing that is what people, because that's authenticity and people connect to that. So I think if you try to, if anyone were trying to repeat our brand, you know, we have horses in our backyard, you know, we've got bourbon everywhere. So it's kind of, we have a lot that's around that. Um, it's be It'd be more challenging. So like if you were in Cincinnati per se. I
0: was going to say Chicago, nobody, uh, yeah. Bur- I don't, I'm looking out my window now. There's no horses and. Right. So people
1: wouldn't, you know, if we're talking about in our blogs, you know, you walking on the farm and that uneven terrain, mm-hmm. someone like a Chicago patient wouldn't connect with that post or that blog, but our people do. Cause that's our daily life.
0: Yes. And that reminds like all those companies that like that say they'll like write blogs for you. I've learned quickly that that's just so mm-hmm. like they change a few words and that's really not how helping with that SEO and like authentic content. That's exactly right. So when I
1: uh, started, I, I understood the, the benefit of a website believe it or not webs not every doctor had a website 15 years ago, it was somewhat new and nobody had social media accounts. I was definitely the odd bird in town having a, how, why do you have a social media account? What is that? And now look at Head it at the times. Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, I think just, and really looking at if it's TikTok or what's the new platform and, and who's your target, you know, who are you trying to get and what's the purpose behind it is the biggest take home.
0: That's a great take home. Is, has there been like during, throughout this process, a resource or a book, a symposium that you were like, wow, this was really extremely beneficial. I'm so glad I went to this, read this. So my number one book um, is by far, it's Tim
1: Ferriss. It's uh, called The 4-Hour Work Week. I'm sure. You love it? I love that book. (laughs) (laughs) I've read it four times. Um, That's my my number one book. Um, And just automation, like the art of automation. I I love that because I love efficiency and technology. It just makes sense. You know, why work harder? Yes. Um, The biggest conference I went to, it's quite expensive, but it was worth it, uh, was the Disney Institute to really create that feel. You know, it's like, how does Disney um, make everyone feel so good. And, and people want to give Disney their money year after year. And I mean, a lot of money. So I wanted to go behind the scenes and learn what they did. And so they have a whole course on leadership, patient experience, not patient, but a customer experience. Um, I think it's a five part series, but it's, it's quite expensive, but it was definitely worth our ROI, you know, cause we got, it. we, you know, the sense that we pump in, we get complimented on that every day. know this doesn't so i was trying to break the stereotype of a podiatry office and a podiatrist um so that's kind of everything i do is against like swimming upstream against the norm okay this is stereotypical let's go in a different direction what can be creative fun engaging what are our patients going to connect to so i kind of take a i look at it that way as well
0: Uh, which if you just even briefly like look into any of your videos or online, like you see that you are doing that daily, like you have accomplished that. And yeah. so great. Thank you for sharing the book and that symposium. Like Disney yeah. symposium. I know I have that on my list for in the future when it's worth my ROI. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to move into Mod Pod, Modern Podiatrist, because this is your own creation as well. Um, can you tell us what is Mod Pod and what first inspired it?
1: So I want to do something in uh, memory of my grandfather, because when I worked at his office, like one of my jobs was, um, say a patient had calluses, I would go in the back. He would say, okay, make some, blend some vitamin A and D. I want vitamin E. I want lanolin. I want this. And so, you know, I go back there and mix it up and then put it in the little pop carry tin and we would personally handle it. Uh, hand it to the the patient. Well, that's quite inefficient. And I don't have a a granddaughter running around to do this for me. (laughs) So I want to do something in his memory, but also use some of his original recipes, but enhance it with um, modern medicine, like clotramazole, you know, these prescription strength ingredients and patients have to buy, like say for a fungal toenail, right? They're buying two to three items. If you really you know, do it correctly, you need a, you know, uh, you need an antifungal, obviously. You also need urea, you know, to help thin out that nail. So I basically took multiple products and merged them in a handful, a select few uh, products. Um, mainly all of them are all natural. And then we just added the clotramazole for the antifungal component, but it has tea tree in it as well. But that was the basic. I was just like, okay, this is a really good story. I love doing this because it reminds me of him every day and I get to talk about it all the time. Um, but it's also like a product line that patients can need. You know what I mean? There are there are not many full product lines out there created by a podiatrist. I think I have maybe two competitors and they have like one or two products, which I was shocked that there's how not many, a full line. How
0: many products do you carry?
1: I think we're up to about 30 now oh my. because we have... Um, We have a full men's line as well, Um, bourbon scented, you know, of course we got a Kentucky thing, Um, but then the others are just unisex. So yeah, we just added uh, this week, a sun uh, sunscreen SPF, little stick. Um, And I did make them an easy to apply, uh, I guess, applications because Mm -hmm. think of our demographic, right? Those older patients having a hard time applying anything to their feet. So I put it in a deodorant stick so they could just swap it on there plus less product waste. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that with our CBD stick as well, because we were using a company, a pharmacist actually, and she was blending it. And then, so the patient would take it out of the tin, put it on the skin. It's on your hand. There's, you know what I mean? You're you're just losing products. So that yeah. was kind of the, the point behind creating that, um, easy applicator.
0: From start to like, from when you first decided to start this to getting it in onto shelves. And we're going to talk that you're also in the Marriott spa as well. Like what did that, how long did this process take? Was it, um, what was your biggest like learning point from it? Where (laughs) would you start?
1: (laughs) So who can make this? So uh, this started uh, about nine years ago, I guess. And same story. I mean, that, you know, I I was like, God, we could really get this stuff out there. Right. It makes sense to me. Um, My supplier at the time, she was out of Florida and for her prices, I wasn't ordering enough, you know, I didn't have proper uh, protocols implemented in the office at the time, because it was just me. And so the price of her product went up, and then to the point where I was barely breaking even. And so that doesn't make any sense, right? So I kind of shelved it for about four or five years. And then my cousin, Sarah, um, who's an awesome marketer and graphic design, and she actually does all of the design work, for the office from day one, every single piece of, of, um, anything with our logo she has designed and laid out and whatnot. So she's like, let's pick this back up again. And I was just like, oh my God, really? I didn't go anywhere. I lost money the first time. And she's like, let's, I have somebody to do this from our hometown, which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and so that was the game changer is having a good, uh, supply, uh, having a good distributor basically. So I was able to hand create these with her. And we would blend and come back. Do we like the smell? To, okay, change this It's too greasy. Let's do that. So I was able to really be heavily involved with the creation, whereas before I wasn't. It was kind of like, we create it, this is what it is, and let's move on.
0: Well, it sounds like you went to like your, like the authentic aspect of it that you're talking with your practice too. Like you brought it back to your hometown, brought it yep. back with family. And yeah, out it worked
1: exactly. Out. <laughs> exactly. And I love the idea of all natural. You know, I mean- 99% of the, you know, a lot of the product line is completely all natural, but we just kind of use potent, um, percentages of that ingredient and really were able to hone in over the past. So we've had it launched for three years. We've been using it in the office for that time. Um, and we really just launched the website about a year and a half, two years ago. So we're still kind of looking at the nuances and Google algorithms and how to get it in front of people's faces,
0: which is mm-hmm. Oh, which is a the of time of challenging. <laughs> yeah. There's always something. Yes. <laughs> do you sell to other like, like medical groups mm-hmm. or if someone wanted to carry it in their office or any real t- retail stores?
1: Yeah, we do um, wholesale accounts. We have, um, we're in California, we're in Chicago. We're, you know, just kind of sprinkled about it's um, this is the first year I'm actually taking it on the road. I'm doing um, a couple meetings to kind of promote it and really start getting the word out about it. But yes, we do have, um, wholesale accounts.
0: That's amazing. And if anybody who's interested in having a wholesale account, is there like yeah. a link that I could share in the show notes or
1: actually you can just email me. It's a hello at modern podiatrist, not podiatry that That happens a lot. So um, modern com.
0: Okay, perfect. I will put that in the show notes as well. And then I want to just briefly discuss, cause I think this is so cool and just <laughs> that, that you, um, were able to work with the Marriott spa, I think like in, uh, around near you, like developing that diabetic safe pedicure using your products from Mod Pod. So how did that come about? And
1: just like I cold called the nursing homes, you know, just going and schlepping, (laughs) you know, I just called, you know, the Marriott and Hey, this is, you know, fortunately 15 years in for the most part, like a lot of people will know the name Lexington podiatry locally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always gets my foot in the door. And then um, I, I told them, I said, listen, you know, this is what it is. We've been using this in our practice. I know you have these patients, X, Y, and Z. I mean, you know, we we recommend very few nail salons, but if we are if they're doing it correctly and a patient wants that, then I, I need to have a recommendation. So I told them that, you know, I will exclusively refer to you. Um, if you carry the line and let's create an entire pedicure around this, and you can use my name to promote it as diabetic safe. Um, cause there's no chemicals. There's, you know, there's not a lot of harshness. I say no chemicals, but, um, the less abrasive to the skin, which is obviously important for a diabetic patient.
0: Yes. I just found that I have not heard. I know some people have like med spas and this, but just actually bringing it to an, like a hotel Marriott spa is just yeah very unique. You're just you know <laughs> always thinking of uh, yeah breaking the stereotypes for podiatry. So,
1: so I actually did have a uh, we call it our ped spa. We yeah. offer pedicures, medical pedicures, for about five years, and it's just look at that profitability of that room. And if we were turning away patients to do a sixty dollar pedicure. Um, be, that maybe needs something else to be more profitable. It just makes sense. So I think not a lot of doctors want to talk about making money, but this is truly a business, and we have to be, you know, aware of our finances and every penny and what we're spending. Are we making our money back? Because we are the biggest, I'd say, cash cows in a negative way. You know, anytime a rep is coming around, they're they're always selling us something, right? Because the doctors have all the money forget all the overhead. They have all mm-hmm. the, they have nice cars. And I think that we, we are stereotyped and it works against us. So if I'm actually inquiring about a product, I will not use my um, business account, my business email. I'll use a, a rando spam account that I have that has pro nothing tip. to do with that has. I'm not a doctor. I'm just, you know, average Joe blow.
0: Just cure That's such a pro tip. Okay because then somehow that work email gets to five other people that you didn't like ask about so Mm -hmm. they all know each other yes
1: like your swap email lists you know
0: (laughs) yes all right I want to move into our final thoughts and questions that I like to ask everybody so what's something outside of podiatry that you are currently learning or doing
1: I'm learning how to, so I've taken over for the most part, all the marketing for the company because I've backed down off of the clinic a little bit. So I'm learning how to edit videos and really learning the uh, meta business, the ad campaigns for both companies. So um, that's what I'm doing is more marketing and just kind of looking at the details on, okay, we spent X number of dollars on this article you know, do we need to do that? What do we get from it? Like really looking at, I have an excellent director of operations and he's really kind of teaching me how to have more of a business mind because, you know, we just didn't get that exposure. That would be my number one tip. If you are in college and you're going to be a podiatrist, uh, change your major from biology to business. Yeah, that's it. That is my biggest regret that I did not do that.
0: It sounds like you're going for like an honorarium MBA, though. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, without having to go back to school. So, no, hey. I
1: would. I thought about it many times of going back and um, and you know, auditing uh, MBA courses, just because it's so important.
0: It's probably still in your future, maybe.
1: I don't want anything <laughs> else on my list at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then what is a tip you wish you could tell your younger self about pursuing a career in poday? podiatric medicine and surgery?
1: That's a good question. I would probably just remind myself to be super niched. Um, the practice got so big, so busy, it actually turned out to be less profitable than when I was smaller. So, you know, everyone thinks bigger is better, but we recently just downsized because, you know, you need that support staff because the admin burden for answering four to 500 phone calls a day is insane. You know, you just need, we had 40 plus staff and it's like, wait a second, why am I doing this? I don't need to treat everybody. So I would just hone in back to what do you want to do? And then like, to me, I would treat heel pain all day long. And that's, I probably wouldn't have grown so quickly, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm fortunate to have a great partner. So we really kind of balance each other's, um, I guess, strengths and weaknesses. So I would definitely look for a a comrade. It's huge. It's hard to be by yourself. You're isolated. You're siloed. I'm, I'm, you're by yourself. I'm assuming.
0: <laughs> I am, but I have a, I have a. There's There's a. I have a really good like network in Chicago too. That other solo practitioners right now. So we like help. Yeah. Help each other. But yeah, we all have goals for in the future, but. Yeah, we have to band together. If
1: you're in private practice, I mean, we should really support each other. I've never really thought of competition. It just doesn't, I I feel like if you do a good job, then people will come to you. So, um, you know, I always like encourage and refer to my other, you know, uh, competitors in town, stuff I don't want to do, like, just get it out.
0: I couldn't agree more with that. And, uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to reach you or contact you, I know um, for the Mod Pod, we have that. Is there any place that they can follow you on social media? And you have Instagram. I think you have a TikTok I saw. Yes,
1: we, we're we putting more effort there. We, uh, yeah, I think we've got like 125,000 followers on TikTok and about 380 some on YouTube. What gonna say? So, Yeah, they, they love the gross stuff. Um, But my so everything for modern podiatrist is that it's uh, modern podiatrist Instagram uh, Lexington Podiatry for Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. Um, Outside that, my personal uh, Instagram, my my husband just recently talked me into changing this. It's uh, Doctor Freels Good, which. I love it. <laughs> yes. Cause it, there was some confusion between the, um, modern podiatrist mod pod. And then, so that was my handle and the consumer con, uh, confusion was like, okay, let's just come up with something different, unique.
0: <laughs> it is unique. And it makes you, makes you giggle. <laughs>
1: I know. Right. <laughs> so yeah, message me that way. Um, or through the hello at modern podiatrist, uh, email is fine.
0: Perfect. Well, I will put those in the show notes for anybody. Uh, that wants to follow you, which I highly recommend. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on She's a DPM. You're and, um, welcome. Email me at DrOxman at gmail.com. The address is in the show notes below. And let me know if there's a topic or if you know a kick-ass lady who should be interviewed. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to hearing your comments and suggestions on the podcast. And remember stay uncomfortable, that's where we grow.